Mondo De La Vega is a co-host and executive producer of The Jim Baker Show, host of The Mondo Show, and executive vice president of television programming for the PTL Television Network. And we will discuss his miraculous journey from L.A. gangs to full-time ministry and a miraculous journey of his deliverance on this edition of The End Time Show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. I do thank you for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. And I've got a very special guest today. He's a wonderful friend of mine. His name's Mondo De La Vega. And he's not only the co-host of The Jim Baker Show and the executive vice president of television production at PTL Network, he is also a devoted husband, father, and a fabulous speaker. Travels all over the United States speaking, and of course he has his own television show, The Mondo Show. And his book is, um, he, he just wrote a book, and it's a gripping testimony about his uh, troubled childhood, uh, going from you know climbing the ranks of one of Los Angeles' most notorious Latino gangs and living the haunting reality of that lifestyle, which is really, for most of those guys, it's a life destined for either a prison or a grave. However, through many supernatural encounters, and which you're going to see, and undeniable fulfilled prophecies, Mondo found the strength to leave the gang behind, which is virtually impossible, and embrace a new Christ-centered life. His book is titled, My Crazy Life, The Moments That Brought a Gangster to Grace. And of course, it's sold on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and and, uh, many different bookstores, many different avenues you can get the book. I just finished reading the book, and wow, it is a page-turner, Mondo. And so... I want to thank you, Mondo De La Vega, uh, for being with me today. A wonderful friend of mine. We've gotten to know each other from me going up to the Jim Baker Ministries many times and and, uh, you guys being so gracious to have us up there. We're on the PTL Network, by the way, the the End Time Show. And so uh, thank you for joining me today, my friend. Great to have you. Reverend, you are one of my favorite Bible teachers. You are an amazing man and... I cannot even think about how is it that an ex-gang member is friends with Reverend Dave Robbins? Mm-hmm. How is only God? Because mm-hmm. a few years ago, when I say a few years ago, I'm talking about almost two decades now. Yeah. I sound like an evangelist, right? A few years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, I found myself with no purpose, yeah. no destiny. Yeah. The gang reminded me every single day that not to make plans past 18 years old, that I was not going to live to see past 18 years old. So the fact that I'm here with you, sir, it's an honor to consider you a friend. It's an honor to talk about the Word of God with you. It's an honor. And I just want to thank you for reading my book and having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. So the um, you're going to find out as we go along that you and I are more kindred spirits than we thought. Because having read your book, 
um, it's really not the gang life, but the original, <laughs> not the, the original story with your father and your mother and the, the event that originally happened with the broomstick. With me, it was a telephone, uh, the receiver hanging on the wall. So I, I, and my dad left when I was six years old. I laid there in bed, saw a lot of stuff happen and wanted to take his life when I grew older as well. So when I got to reading your book, I thought, man, this is my life. But then I didn't end up going into a, a, to a gang. That's the only difference. We went in different directions, but the original uh, was, was just like, I thought, man, I'm, this guy must be my brother from another mother or something. <laughs> and then um, to see how you dealt with um, hatred and bitterness and had to, had to learn how to forgive and to have unconditional love and things like that. That's one of the, other than the fact that we're great friends and different things, um, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on, Mondo, is because people today, they are, they struggle with having hope. Yeah. And your life is all, is pretty much, I, the whole book, I mean, everything about all this is, there's hope for anybody. Regardless, I mean, all the stuff you've been through, and we're gonna, I'm gonna hit some highlights of that as we go along, but um, there's hope for anybody out there. And I have people, as a minister, I have people contact me and say, hey, um, you know, Dave, you don't, you, you, you live this perfect life and you don't know what I've been through, so God couldn't love me. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. I know some people that have been through some stuff you can't even imagine. Well, you're actually one of those people. You, you've been through it and lived that life and, and, uh, and came out of all that, and and now you're a minister, man, and it's and you got yeah. a beautiful family, and <laughs> I mean it's unbelievable. So um, I, I I would encourage people that if you if you need a story of hope, that Mondo's book, My Crazy Life, uh, and I'm I'm not getting a dime from this. Okay, I, I want to let everybody know that up front. I'm not making money off of this. This is a book of hope, and it's like, hey, God can save anyone. I don't care what your past is whether you've backslidden away from God or whether you don't know Jesus fully at this point, it doesn't matter what you've done. God can save you out of all that. And that's really, it's a book of hope. Um, and it's pretty awesome. So uh, thank you, my friend, for being with me. So what I want to do, before we get into this, let me mention one of my sponsors real quick, and then we'll, then we'll take off into the interview. Um, and I want to mention First Cup Coffee. You know, you can imagine we're essentially working around the clock to keep up with all of this prophecy and different news and everything. We're energized by our, and motivated by our God-given purpose, but thankfully we're, we're being fueled by First Cup Coffee. First Cup Coffee, is a, they're not a woke uh, organization. They haven't tried to rewrite our history or defund our military. But these guys are simply a, a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company out of the great state of Texas. they got many different roasts. So go to firstcup.com, uh, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, They'll actually give you another 10% off. To, so go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off today. Okay, uh, Mr. Mondo De La Vega. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's start off with the book here yeah. uh, because what a wonderful story. I mean, from um, escaping the, the terrors of your father. And again, I know what it's like to lay there and watch things that no child ought to see. And to have that shatter a childhood and then 
you dealt with that, escaping the terrors. So it, it all started out in Central America. You escaped the terrors of your father and, of course, your mother's prophetic words. And then um, to, get, to coming U.S. citizenship legally as a child. Um, t tell us about your childhood and uh, why you left Central America and ended up in Los Angeles. Let's start right there with that segment. Absolutely. I think you described it perfectly. My father was my hero. My father was everything to me. My father was uh, never spanked us, never even you know, raised his hand to hit us or let alone a verbal abuse with words, never yeah. cussed at us, never. My father never lost it in front of us. Yeah. So to see that one moment, that's what I titled the book. The subtitle is The Moments That Brought a Gangster to Grace. Yeah. Because there are moments in our lives. I used to think, Reverend, that you can lose your life or change your life in 24 hours. But after writing this book and going through the memo, the moments and the memories that changed my life, you can lose your whole entire identity of who you are in seconds. Sure. In seconds, you go from being a doctor to now you're fighting for your license. In mm -hmm. seconds, you go from having a family to now you're contending for your family. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, Reverend, I write my one of the first chapters that I write about is the broomstick. Because here my mother had used this broomstick to sweep our home for many years. And yet that very broomstick became a weapon of her demise. Sure. It became a weapon that almost caused her to die. And my father used this to un unleash the anger and the frustration that he had been dealing with and, and, and everything inside of him. Yeah. And listen, you never know what people are going through unless you stop long enough to ask the right questions. Right. And here, I thought my family atmosphere was perfect. I thought that my father was perfect. I thought the relationship was perfect. Yet, in that moment, it was the birth of anger. Yeah. It was the birth of hatred. It was the birth of abandonment. It was the birth of void, a birth of, of a shadow that I've been, I ended up chasing a ghost that didn't exist. Yeah. And it almost killed me. Yet, that was the last moment that I would call my father, father. Wow. That would be the last moment that I spent my last few hours in the home. Yeah. And within seconds, I didn't have a home. Within seconds, we didn't have a family. Yeah. And my mother had to flee. She said these words, either I stay and die or I leave and live. Yeah. And yet, those decisions are made based on her children. Yeah. Yet during this crisis, it so happened that Central America began to witness one of the worst civil wars that took place. You can go back in history yeah. and realize that the historic civil war that began to take place as a six-year-old, I began to witness things that a six-year-old should have never seen. Sure. From rapes and, 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 and destruction and, and, I mean, everything that goes on with civil war. Yet... Reverend, I, I write in my book that there's times that I can close my eyes and I can hear the war of the Civil War. Yeah. And hey, the trauma. Some of you are have dealt or dealing with trauma in your life and you haven't dealt with it because you haven't let go. You haven't right. learned how to forgive. Right. My story is a story of forgiveness. Yes. Forgiveness from your heart is a story of hope. It's a story that is going to ignite the call of God in your life is, is going to ignite the will of God in your life, but it's also going to shine 
also the the gifts that God has given you. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier was that when we came to the United States, my mother had to learn that, you know what, I have to do this the right way. I cannot put my children through the process of going to the United States illegally because I don't want my son and my daughter to hide the rest yeah. of their lives, yeah. let alone how, how am I going to deal with the process of trying to cross the border in the middle of a civil war? I'm going to get raped. They're going to steal my children. And who knows where my children are going to end up? Exactly. Yet my mother had to understand that there's a price to pay. Yeah. In the bureaucracy of the shuffling of the in the shuffling of the paperwork, we begin to lose hope because she began to get denied, denied, denied. Yeah. In my book, I describe the process, and this is a word for you. Yeah. That some of you are wanting to go into a place spiritually in your life, yet you're entering illegally without the blessing of your pastor, without the blessing of your leader, mm -hmm. without the blessing of God. And some of you want God's will. Yet you're doing it illegally because the way God works is a God of obedience. Right. And obedience, most people don't like obedience because obedience makes you wait. Uh-oh, you're going to get me preaching, Reverend. <laughs> you're going to get me preaching because yeah. in the middle of our crisis, right. God always delivers a prophetic word. Sure. I didn't understand the prophetic word. I didn't understand how God spoke. I'm six years old trying to figure out where's my father, trying right. to figure out how come we don't have a home. I'm six years old wondering what's next. No one is talking to us. And I had to suppress all my feelings and emotions because as a six-year-old, no one wants to, no one's to, no one cares what right. you're thinking. Right. Yet the trauma of a six-year-old began to get piled up and it was a perfect combination, Reverend, that by the time we got to the Los Angeles, California, and yeah. the gangs were waiting for me, I was the perfect candidate yeah. waiting to explode into the scene of crimes and drugs and destruction. Yeah. Listen, there was three words, reputation, respect, and retaliation. Yes. I was a candidate for those three. Yes. So you, just to recap, make sure everybody knows where we're at, your, your father... Um, did some horrible things to your mom, and he, he, she had to leave. So during that time, they had the, the worst civil war in Central America, and she says, okay, we've got to leave. And she, it, she decides, hey, I've got to get my son and daughter out of here. We go, we're going to go to America. She did the legal process, and it took a long time, but you guys, through a miraculous event, you guys finally made it to Los Angeles. And... This is when you got introduced to the gang life. And I, I remember the story where you were saying you were living with pretty much whoever let you live with. When my dad left when I was six years old, we did the same thing. We lived with whoever my mom could get for us to live with. And that's just part of it. And it, you're, you know, uh, it's not, a, not the best life, but we still, you know, my mom was doing the best she could. Well, that's what your mom was doing. So she made it to the, to the um, Los Angeles. And like you said, you're a perfect candidate. You've got a built-up, um, you've started, even at six, seven, eight years old, you're still starting to build up hatred and resentment, bitterness, and man, that for a gang, boy, they just feed on that like a big steak. And so you're a perfect candidate for, you want to retaliate against society and maybe your dad and different, because I hated my dad too. I hated his guts. And I, there was a time in my life when I had to call him and say, you know what, man, I forgive you for everything. And I, I did that. And he was like, nah, whatever. 
you know, and I thought, man, I thought it was going to be a different conversation, but it wasn't. He didn't really care. But the fact of the matter is, it was something I had to get off my chest. But I want to focus on the gang life for just a moment. And I knew this was going to happen. This interview is going to go so quick, we may not get everything in. But the, the gang life. A lot of people don't understand how real the gang life is here in America. And in Los Angeles, the gangs have almost taken over Los Angeles. And so um, un until you've been enmeshed in that lifestyle, you don't understand how real it is. And then to be in there, a lot of times they'll say in a gang, you know, blood in, blood out. And so for God to miraculously deliver you out of that, uh, it was a miraculous event. We'll get to that. But the, the gang lifestyle, um, so for somebody who knows zero about that, walk people through the, 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 um, some of the different events that happened to you in the gang lifestyle. You got, drew, you got drawn into it as a young age, and then you climbed the ladder of success to the point where you were one of the, you were one of the gangsters out there. Um, and, you know, some crazy things happened to you, like the bullet with your name on it and stuff like that. Some of the different events that happened during that. Because most people, Mondo, they don't have a clue about that kind of lifestyle but you came out of that. God miraculously brought you out. Listen, Reverend, I think you, one of the things that happened was in the, in the late 80s and in, in early 90s, there was an explosion of gangsterism that came from a culture that America did not expect. Yeah. America was used to seeing gangsters like John Gotti, gangsters that were coming out of New York, Chicago, Detroit, yeah. Kansas City, but yet they were not expecting uh, an influx of gangsters coming from Central America, South America, Mexico, Chicanos, Mexican-Americans that were already in East L.A. Yeah. because they were birthed out of the Pachuco era. And that forced them to create uh, gangs all over Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Yet in the late 80s and early 90s, there was an, an, an explosion of gangsters that no one understood in America yet when you listen to music like NWA, Tupac and, and Snoop Doggy Dog, yeah. they gave you a glimpse of the inner city of Los Angeles, California, and then movies like Boys in the Hood, Blood In and Blood Out, yeah. American Me. Those movies gave you a glimpse of what it was like and what was developing in the streets of Los Angeles mm -hmm. that eventually exploded into the scene all over America's yeah. cities. America's towns, places like Nebraska, places like Iowa, yeah. places that mid-America didn't understand the culture. Yet today, out of what happened in the late 80s and early 90s, has now become an epidemic worldwide sure. of young people exploding into the scene. One of the things that began to develop is the spirit of death that took place in my life was so unbelievable that the moment I woke up and I, I took a step out of my home, death was knocking at the door. Yeah. Everywhere I went, there's a chapter that I write that is so unbelievable because here, I'm going to paint you a picture real quick. Yeah. We're inside of a low rider car. A, lo a low rider is a vehicle that has hydraulics and they jump. Yeah. You can see them all over the place in Texas, you know? Yes. Uh, and of course, in Los Angeles and Chicago and whatnot, we're inside of this low rider and I get a pager. And in that pager, I receive a message 
in that message, I knew that if I can fulfill that message, I'm going to move up the ladder yeah. and earn the respect that I was looking for in the streets in order to go up another rank and become a captain or a shot caller, yeah. right? Here I'm a teenager and already moving up the ladder because they found that I had a heart to fulfill without having emotion. Sure. If Listen, love and compassion were a weakness of a gangster. And if yeah. they found love and compassion, they will use it against you. Yeah. Here I was inside of this vehicle, Reverend, and I, and I get this page and I tell my homeboys, my homeboys are my friends, and I tell them, stop the car. I need to make this call. All of a sudden, there's a commotion inside of the vehicle and we start arguing. And one of the OGs grabbed the pager and says, well, let me make the call. And I said, no, that call is for me. I need to make that call because if I can make that call and fulfill it, then I can earn a spot to the next level. All that to say, he yanked the pager out of my hand. He stepped out into go place uh to go place a phone call in the phone booth remember when the pay phones were still on yeah there was no cell phones back then so he stepped out of the vehicle go up to the pay phone and as he's getting ready to make that call all i hear is gunshots pop 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 the guy in the front grabs the vehicle peels off and i ask him we gotta go get the guy we gotta go get our friend and he said let the dead bury their bury the dead homie And I said, wait a minute, what do you think about let the dead bury the dead? That's our homeboy. We, that we made a pact that we were in it together we're, for life. Yeah. And he said, who cares? Leave him there. Yeah. All of a sudden, I began to realize after the adrenaline hit me yeah. and it, the adrenaline began to go down, I began to realize that could have been me. Exactly. And at that moment, I'm, I'm panicking and realizing, wait a minute, is somebody after me? Does someone set me up? Does someone wants me killed who all of a sudden all this emotions begin to play but in the middle of all that god begins to place hope in me that maybe something different is happening yeah what if something different here i was death is knocking death is chasing me but at the same time life was calling me right Right. And here we're in the middle. And listen, the life in the gangs is so real. And whenever you see a gang member in your neighborhood, understand that there, there's a little boy and a little girl inside of them crying out for help. Yeah. I was screaming a silent scream, yet no one can hear me. Yeah. The most the one thing I was afraid of, Reverend, is this. I wasn't afraid to go to prison. I wasn't afraid of dying. I wasn't afraid of fighting. I wasn't afraid to go recruit. I wasn't afraid to be shot. I got stabbed twice and didn't even realize it yeah. until someone stopped me long enough to say, hey, you've been stabbed twice. Yeah. And that's life. Sometimes in life, you're going and going, don't realize you've been hit until right. you stop long enough that your father left you. Right. Your wife walked away. Your business is gone. Your children are in trouble. Your children are using drugs. That's how life works. Yet, I begin to realize at that moment, Reverend, that is this it? Is this all that's left? Yeah. The respect, the retaliation, and it's getting harder and harder. And then one day, the police grabbed me and they beat us to almost to death, yeah. wanting to get information out of us, yet they couldn't get any of the information. They didn't book us like they normally booked us, and they dropped us off in enemy territory in order for us to be killed and died. Yeah. How do you find hope in the middle of yeah. that? How do you find, you know, that there's a purpose in your life when nothing is making any sense? Yet the life in the neighborhood, the life in the streets begins to create 
you know, a society within a society that can protect you, a false protection, a false love. Everything that they were building, Reverend, was so false that there was no stability. I learned earlier on that most people in the streets are driven by emotion, not intentions. Sure. People are shooting each other out of emotions. People are drugging themselves out of emotions. And I learned earlier on that if I was going to have longevity out in the streets, I needed to stop being emotional and learn how to be intentional. Sure. That's what began to separate me from the pack. Yeah. That's why they said, wait a minute, there's something different about this kid because this kid is not getting emotional about the streets. He's not ending up in YA like all these kids are. Let me take him under my wing and teach him about how to be intentional if he's going to survive in the streets. All of a sudden, right now, as we watch the streets of Los Angeles, California, Chicago, yep. as a matter of fact, you know this more than anybody, uh, Reverend, Chicago is considered little Iraq yep. because of so many deaths that are taking place. What causes a place to lose the value of life? Uh, simple. There's no purpose. Yeah. There's no fathers. Yep. There's no direction. There's yeah. no leadership. There's no there's no understanding of what value is, yet all they're doing is trying to survive. At the end of the day, if I can make it to be alive, it's enough so I can start over again to the next day. Yeah. Didn't you say, in, if I remember correctly, didn't you say in your book that uh, 85% of these kids that go into gangs are fatherless kids? Absolutely. I'll give you statistics in the book that 80 to 85% of the kids that are involved in gangs are fatherless. Yes, exactly. Where are the fathers? That's it. That's huge. God, we have to ask that question. God established the family for a reason because a father is to be the priest of their home. This is one of the things where your big turnaround, because now I know you and I know your, um, your relationship with Elizabeth and your kids. And it's like now going from that to where you're at now, it's like, what, how this is, a, it's like many miracles, <laughs> but you're there for your kids every night. Your kids wrote a, a portion in the, in the front of your book. I thought it was awesome. But, and your wife, your wife doesn't have to worry about where you're at. Are you going to come home and beat her with a broomstick or you're treating her kids bad. And now look at your family though, beautiful family, your life's on track, you're doing fabulous things, but the fact of the matter is you're still there. And you yes. broke that cycle of with your dad. You didn't say, well, hey, because my dad was like that, I'm going to be like that. No, you can break that cycle. And so um, w- what a great testimony it is. We're going to dive back off into this. I got a commercial break I'm coming up to, and we'll get right back into it, everybody on the break, because what we're not done with the story. The story's not over yet. Uh, We went through the gang life. We're going to get on the other side of that and show you how Mondo made this miraculous transition from gang life into ministry and how God had his hands upon Mondo all the way through, even from the very beginning, and he can do it for you as well. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me, and I was stunned what I saw. A direct fulfillment 
of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 end time. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Well, welcome back, everybody. And again, I'm here with my good friend, Mondo De La Vega. And he basically... In essence, he's the co-host with Jim Baker up in Branson, Missouri on the PTL network. And uh, he, he basically runs the show up there. I mean, that's part of it. And God has blessed him uh, throughout his entire life. He went through some horrific things, uh, a, a horrendous childhood, uh, escaped cent- the, the civil wars and different things that happened in Central America, made it to the United States legally, by the way, which is very possible. And then uh, his mom, basically sacrificed everything, took thousands of dollars, but they made it to Los Angeles. Well, then he got pulled into L.A. gangs, started walking up the ladder in that, uh, became full-on gangster, and, um, you know, did some things. We've all done things we would be embarrassed to tell you about right now. Uh, If you haven't, it's just because you're not honest. (laughs) But um, with with the different things that happened, Mondo, uh, I'm not going to take time because we won't have time in this interview, but uh, for everybody that wants to read his book, My Crazy Life, uh, The Moments That Brought a Gangster to Grace, uh, you can buy it on Amazon, you can go to uh, Barnes & Noble, I mean, just you, you name it, just look it up online, My Crazy Life with Mondo De La Vega. And in the book, uh, there is stories about, you know, Big Red from the Bloods. Uh, rival gangsters on the bus. I mean, miraculous things that happened. God was getting you out of all these situations. The bullet with your name on it that you mentioned at the at the telephone booth, and not going to jail with the other gangsters the night that you ended up going to church. But um, I, I wanted to talk about something. This would be number thirteen here for everybody. Um, it your your sister's three questions. This was very important to me in the book. I thought, man, because I. I fell in love with your sister, and I've never even met her. And I'm like, man, I feel like I know her. What was her name, Laura? Laura, yeah. yeah. So, Laura, there was three questions that she asked, and I thought that everybody should be asked these three questions. No matter where you're at in life, I don't care what you've done, because, Mondo, we deal with, um, here at the ministry, we're heavily involved in prison ministry. We're deal- we've got full-on churches going on in prison, a lot of different things. We've sent thousands and thousands of books and uh, tracks. I mean, just, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of stuff into ministers. 
all of our extra, a lot of our material goes to prisons. Wow. And they use our material to preach from. Uh, because the Bible says, God said, hey, I, I was in prison and you visited me not. Well, no. I want to, I'm not, I'm not excluding anybody from our ministry. Because some people, they would just write them off. And no, I know of good guys today that have come out of prison. They're ministers. They got good families. They're running businesses. They just did something and got caught. And so, but your sister's three questions. Everybody in life needs to be asked this. What if God is real? What if God's really real? And what if prayer really works? And what if you had a different destiny, Mondo? You're, you're out there in the gangs, you're doing stuff, but your sister asks you these three questions and you're like, daggone, you know, what if God is real? What if there is really a God? What if there's something else for me? What if these people praying for me really work? And that seemed to be uh, really a turning point kind of for you uh, can you speak to that for a second? So anybody else, speak to everybody out here. Listen, the first thing is, is this. God has called you to step into someone's world to challenge them. Don't preach at them. Don't. My sister never walked into my life and preached at me. Yeah. She just came in with three questions. What if God is real? What if prayer works? And what if you have a different destiny? Yes. That was the catalyst to begin to change my life because at that moment I was asking questions. Is this it? Mm -hmm. Is this all life has to give me? Is this all that life in the gang can offer me? The parties, the drugs, the, the, the respect, the retaliation, the, 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 the everything. All there was a commotion. There was a battle between the internal trauma of, of, of being a kid and my father walked away. The, the trauma of the gangs and everything that I was seeing, my heart being feeling like there's no hope. The, the gangs reminded me every single day. Listen to this. When you have society reminding you, lock them up, throw the key away, yeah. or, or yeah. the gang culture reminding you, don't make plans past, eight, past 18 years old yeah. because you're either going to be dead, you're going to either be in, in prison, or you're going to be in the hospital where you can't walk, you're fighting for your life, right. yet you look impossible, you look like there's no hope, you look like no one wants you, you look like no one's valuing you, everything is being, it's reminding you that you're a mistake. Yeah. And here yeah. I was feeling I was a mistake, I wasn't valued, I didn't, no one mattered, I didn't matter to anybody, yet my sister stepped in at that moment and reminded me of those three powerful yeah. phrases of, or questions yeah. or whatever you want to call them. And she made me a challenge. And she said, I want you to join me tonight for this church service. And I said, I can't go. I can't be seen in a church. Yeah. I said, if my homeboys see me that I'm going to church, if my enemies see me I'm going to church, I'm dead. Yeah. There's no way that's happening. Yeah. And she said, no. What if God is real? Right. What if prayer works? What if you have a different destiny that night? Yeah. And she said, I want you to come and hear this preacher that is going to be giving his testimony. I knew for a fact that if I, saw, I was seen walking to that place, Reverend, my life is gone. Yeah. Trigger man, people that are trained to kill. Yeah. I knew this, guys. I knew I would be disciplined. Yeah. I couldn't break the code. I couldn't break what, what we, we were asked to do. Yeah. Yet inside of me, I said, I'm going to make you a promise that I'm going to be there that night. Wow. Yet I forgot that I was supposed to go do a hit that yeah. night. Yeah. 
that's what you were talking about and referencing. You got to read the book on what happened that night that caused me. Yeah. And listen, some of you need to understand that God has given you the authority mm-hmm. to contend over your family, right. to contend over your business. God has given you authority and courage to walk away from the situation that you're in right now in order to find the will of God. Yeah. Listen, what changed my life was this. It was not the gift that God had given me because I had not discovered that yet. Right. It was not the call of God that he had for me because I didn't understand that yet. But it was God's will that I will find it and that I will be in a place where I can understand the gifts of God and the calling of God. But I needed to be in the will of God. Right. The will of God is to get to know him, to receive him yes. and to surrender and to repent and to leave everything behind yes. in order to be in the will of God. You have to be willing to leave the old and step into the new. Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, there was a statement you said, man, I hope I wrote that down. Um, you said, oh, what changed your life was not religion but a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I thought that was very, very important because people think, well, I'm going to church. And, I, you know, I looked apart and this, that, and the other, but they have no relationship, Mondo. And it's very, very important. I've seen people that went to church, but they're bitter, uh, frustrated. And, and it's like, wh- wh- where's your relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, the thesis of the entire Bible is your relationship with God and your relationship with your fellow man. You've, and your relationship with your fellow man, that's, sal- that's salvation. Because your salvation depends upon that because God's, Jesus Christ said, if you don't forgive your fellow man, I can't forgive you. And so it's of utmost importance that the only thing I can take with me to heaven, Mondo, is my relationships. That's my it. relationship with Jesus, my relationship with my fellow man. Your story is a lot about hope, but it's also about forgiveness and healing and things like that. A lot of people think there's no hope. I'm in a situation right now where I have no way out. Okay, the thing I always say to that is, but God, you've taken God out of your equation in your life. And so I thought it was very important that we brought up those three questions today that your sister asked you because I thought, man, everybody needs to hear that. What if there is really a God? You, oh, you know, a lot of people dismiss him and society's trying to drive Jesus out. But no, what if there is really a God? What if prayer that I'm praying for you, what if that really is working in your life? And what if there's a different destiny for you? I don't care if you're in gang life. I don't care if you're in prison for 40 years. I don't, it's irrelevant. There, what, if, what if there's a different destiny for you uh, and it's not over yet? So very, very important. I thought it was. And, and uh, obviously, I don't want to tell the whole book in detail, but you know, you ended up going to church and... Um, yeah. The guy who was preaching, wasn't he a rival gang member? Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely yeah. right. You did read the book. No, the I, guy I, that I read was... every word of it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reading it because yeah. I believe that this story is, is a story that is your story. Yeah. Because yeah. I believe that when you walk into a place that is, a, listen, again, I was not afraid of dying. I was not afraid of going to prison. And that's not because I was big and tough. No, it yeah. was the opposite. Yeah. Most people in the streets, I can tell you, they're not Pablo Escobar. They're not Griselda Blanco. They're not John Gotti. Yeah. They're, th- those are very few in between. The rest of us just, we were 
desperate. Yeah. We were surviving, and out of survival, you that something comes out of you, and you do things that is not normal. Yeah. Yet, there's people that have made decisions based on survival. They have killed, have this, have stolen, have in order to get a reputation. But all they were trying to do is survive. That's it. And here I found myself in survival mode. And, and as I made my way out of the the car, and you got to read that story on how God made a way for me to get out of that car right. and face my friends. And a gun was pulled out and says, what are you doing? And I said, stop the car. I need to go take care of something and I'll meet up with you guys. Yeah. Not realizing that that will be the last time I will see them. Yeah. And the last yeah. time I will be, I will have an encounter with them because the trajectory of their future and my future decided to go two different ways. Yeah. I made myself walk all the way up to the church. This is what I was afraid of, Reverend. I was afraid of hope. I was afraid that I can find a new way of life. I was afraid of forgiveness. I was afraid of what it was going to look like. I was afraid of love. And I was afraid to experience peace. Yeah. Wow. Most of us don't understand that what we're afraid of is what's keeping us from fulfilling what God has for us in our life. Right. I walked up to that church. I have a bandana on. I have my locs on. I have my white shirt on and my Nike Cortez. Yeah. People knew I was a gang member sure. just by the way I was dressed. Yeah. And then I had my two nine millimeters inside of my waist mm -hmm. in case someone recognized me and I was being set up. Yeah. I thought that my sister had set me up, Reverend, because wow. as I walked up to that church, on the left side, I see these gang members that look like me. But the difference was they had their hands raised and they were crying. Wow. On the right side, I saw some ex-gang members that were dressed in suits one had a, a, a tattoo of a butterfly, and that's very significant in the gang. Yeah. And I realized, wait a minute, my sister set me up. Yep. And then the guy that was uh, the guy that was preaching, the guy that was about to give his testimony, was a former rival gang member, a guy that came after us, and we came after him. Yeah. And now he's dressed in a nice suit, he's clean cut, yet he's about to give us a, a testimony. And he said these words. He said, there's a young man here tonight that needs to hear the greatest story that has ever been told. I'm not going to share my testimony because this young man, and I'm realizing who is this young man he's talking about. Yet, I was that young man. Sure. I didn't feel like the young man. I felt like I was old. I felt like I had been used. I felt like I was just, I was just tired. I was exhausted. I was in pressure mode. I was in survival mode. Yeah. I didn't feel good enough to be even inside of that church and i said if this guy gets any closer i'm gonna pull my you know what and, and, and figure something out but hey mondo, time, mondo I'm, I'm coming up to a break man i'm sorry let, let me let me we're coming back on the other side of the break here i'm sorry about that um but this is a good story just just pause right there we'll come right back in just a moment god bless everybody they that understand what is taking place will instruct many Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is.
time is not going anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. I'm, I'm here with my good friend, Mondo De La Vega. And Mondo, so that, I've, I've got, man, I knew this was going to go so fast. We've got like 12 or 13 minutes left here. Um, so that night, you were in church. The guy gave his testimony, and uh, it, it, it changed your life. I mean, it you, changed my life forever. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, was a, that was a turning point. Um, and I don't want to tell the story about how you got out of the gang. We'll leave that everybody to read the book and all that stuff. But it was it was a total miraculous event. Uh, you went in, you went in, and talked to the guys, and they were like, you know, go. And so it, it was a it had to be a, a, just an absolute miracle from God. But I want to get really quickly uh, again with just a short period of time left here um, to the the Dream Center and Jim Baker because now. You've come out of the gang life, but you're going to end up working with Jim Baker and be his adopted son. And I mean, it was like, what in the world happened yeah. here? So <laughs> in, in like 10 minutes, oh, man. do I know that's impossible, but get just a brief overview, Dream Center, how you met Jim Baker, and how you got to be where you're like the main producer. You're the, you're the guy now. And so um, a 10-minute really quick because... For people, there's some people that couldn't, they couldn't imagine going from where you came from to what you're doing now, but God, God is all, God's in all of this. And so, um, give a brief testimony, uh, Dream Center, Jim Baker, to where you're at now. Absolutely. Listen, real quick here. My mother begins to work in a, a small clinic in the neighborhood. Pastor Matthew Barnett, the, the pastor of the Dream Center with Pastor Matt, Pastor Tommy Barnett uh, got the Dream Center to be open in the community. They needed to get vaccinations because the city of Los Angeles, you know, they're dealing with hepatitis C and yeah. AIDS and all this stuff. So Pastor Matthew brought a bunch of people to her clinic and introduced herself and say, wait a minute. You're that pastor from that Dream Center. And, and Pastor Matthews, yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you for taking care of our people. And, she, and he said, if there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. Yeah. Well, thank God thank God for persistent mothers. Yeah. All of you mothers, don't give up on your children. Right. My mother didn't give up on me. She got tired of me, but she never gave <laughs> up on me. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. My mother said, hey, you need to meet my son. I explained in the book how this happened. Yeah. Pastor Matthew picked me up. We went to lunch. I was going through something that was very devastating, a big loss in my life. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't understanding what I was going through. Here I'm already saved. I'm already understanding what God wanted me to do. And then God called me to serve the Dream Center. That reverend is in the middle of one of my worst enemies from my former gang. Right. Here, God is calling me to serve in the worst area that I could be in. Yeah. And you said something so powerful. Hey, you want to reach the world, but you don't. You can't even reach your own neighborhood. Right. I needed to understand that if I was going to reach the world for the gospel, that I needed to learn how to reach my own community first, yeah. especially wow, my great. enemies. Right. That's great. This is where forgiveness comes to play exactly. a big place in my heart. 
And but Pastor Matthew and Pastor Tommy Barnett believed in me and gave me a purpose and realized, hey, we're going to mentor this kid because we see something special on him. Yeah. We're not going to put him where we usually put people. I believe he's called to be a pastor. We're going to put him in the pastoral home here. I've never been a pastor. I don't have a license to pastor at that time. Yet they saw something in me that no one else could see. Yeah. And he gave me a mission. He gave me a job. And that job, Reverend, was to pick up all of their guests that were going to come in to speak for, you know, the services that they held every Thursday night. Yeah. And one of them happened to be Jim Baker. Yeah. I had never met Jim Baker, never heard of Jim Baker, yet they assigned me to him. And I write about it in my book, a chapter titled, Who is Jim Baker? It seemed like the whole world knew who he was except me. Yeah. Yet when I met Jim Baker, Reverend, he was a broken man. Yeah. He was a man that was embarrassed to be in public. He yeah. he felt the shame of the world. He didn't want to be around people. Yeah. Yet God put it in my heart and say, wait a minute. If my father needed help, I would want somebody to step in and love my yeah. father. He, he had just come, he had just come out of prison. He had just come out of prison, right? He had just yeah, come yeah. out of prison. Okay. He was doing a book tour. Yeah. Uh, the book, I think it was titled, I Was Wrong. Yeah. And that the next day, he was going to be at the Larry King show. Yeah. But Jim Baker preached a message that night on a Thursday night that I'll never forget. God can still use broken dreams with broken people. Mm -hmm. That touched my soul. And the next day, I put my arm around Jim and I said, Jim, I've been where you've been, man. I love you, man. I didn't realize that those words would change Jim's heart till this day, Reverend. He remembers yeah. that the words I said to him, I love you, man, yeah. pierced his soul. Up to that moment, he didn't feel like anybody loved him. Here, the church said, lock him up, throw the key away. Yeah. The world said, lock him up, throw the key away. The world told me, lock him up, throw the key away. And I felt like we had a connection. But the most unbelievable thing was that and I share in my story there on, on one of the chapter, who is Jim Baker, on how God used me to save Jim's life from yeah. going into depression and going into a suicidal thought. Mm -hmm. Yet here I was the same way my sister stepped into my world. Right. I stepped into Jim's world, not understanding who he was. And the beautiful thing about Jim is that he never hid everything that he had gone through in his life. Right. He never defended himself. God knew I needed someone like Jim to mentor me because I needed to forgive my father and all of those people that hurt me yeah. from my heart and right. forgive them. And here, Jim was the very element that God used to help me understand what true forgiveness was all about. Right, right. Yeah, they and so and I won't, I won't tell the story about how you helped Jim and everything because it's, it's an awesome story. And you told me one time while we was up at, in Branson there, you give me a brief overview of that, but the book lays it out perfectly, and it's it's really awesome how that how God worked all that out. Um, so you helped Jim Baker uh, come out of depression and a lot of different things, and then he starts to get his life on track a little bit, and then he ended up again. I don't want to tell the whole story, but he ended up with you working right alongside him, and you guys ended up moving to Florida. And then you guys went, ended up in Branson, Missouri, which is where you're at now, out in Blue Eye. And uh, you, there's this gigantic, when you pull out there, you're going through the woods and then all of a sudden, boom, there's this giant ministry there. And it looks like a little city out there. But um, God is using you 
and your testimony and the book. And one of the main reasons, again, Mondo, I want to have you on my program. We could talk about prophecy another time. Uh, I was going to get into some of that today. We're not going to have time, but the, the book, People Need Hope Today. And we, I can talk about prophecies. I can talk about news. I can talk about, uh, you know, politics. We can talk about all kinds of stuff, and we do all the time. But if I can't share a message of hope and of forgiveness and of deliverance and no matter what you've done, then we've missed the whole goal of this thing. So I wanted to talk to you today and allow you to share some of your testimony because you've done some things that were, you know, we, we're, we won't bring them up, but you've done some things that were, you know, uh, way out there. And God said, I still love you. I'm still going to give you a chance. I, I'm going to show you forgiveness. Um, it's unconditional love. And that's the, that's the main message really to God is unconditional love. All, every, the Bible says everybody has sinned. Everybody was under the law of sin and death. Every person, I don't care how good they look. I, it doesn't matter, you know, societal status, all that. Everybody is a sinner. But God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that we would have an opportunity to be with Him out into eternity. That's really what, to me, the book is all about. Because looking at you now, and me, me talking to you, and hanging around you up at the ministry and things like that, if you had not told me, and I didn't see your tattoos, if I didn't know about all that, if I, had not, if I didn't know all that, I would have thought you were raised in a, you know, this really nice neighborhood and you, all this other stuff. But it's only because of God, Mondo. Yeah. That's it. It's not um, it, what you've done. That's really irrelevant to God. God loved you unconditionally. And that's really what I got from your book and your testimony. The book was put together awesome. And I, I, I read, you know, political science books. and I read this stuff all the time. It's been a long time since I read a page turner. Um, and I sat down and I read, the first day I read over, I think there's 180 pages. I read over 100 pages of it. And I'm like, man, I got to get back into it. Um, so it, it was a great book. And, uh, it, but it's, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a message of hope, deliverance, forgiveness. And so I want to thank you for being on the program with me today. We got a couple minutes left. Um, do you have any closing remarks? I mean, I know you talked about the feelings of abandonment, and rejection, and loneliness, and brokenness, which a lot of people in society feel right now. But God helped you through all of that. And it's really a message of hope. And so share a message of hope uh, for the audience today, for somebody who's really struggling. Listen, this message is for you. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. No matter what you're going through, no matter how you're feeling right now, yeah. no matter what people said about you. Yeah. All I know is that when I felt the love of Christ at that church at that very moment, it was an unconditional love. Yeah. It was an unconditional peace. I have been searching for peace and love everywhere and I could not find it. 
that moment changed my life. And I want to tell you something. God is crazy about you. Yes. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and forgive you. Listen, we all need forgiveness. Right. We right. are all in search of forgiveness. We have a society that is canceling everyone and everything. Right. But we have to learn to forgive. Know this, that God has forgiven you. All you have to do is surrender your life to him. Mm -hmm. Surrender every area of your thoughts and your heart to him and understand that he's he loves you. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you and to have a plan for your life. What if God has a destiny for you? Yes. What if prayer works for you? And what if God is real in your life? Right. Can you imagine what that's going to look like in your life? Yes. I know that God is not through using you. Amen. You know, Mondo that's a very key point. God has a plan and a purpose for every single person on this planet. And the Bible says, the day you seek me with your whole heart, I will be found of you. All you have to do is turn towards Jesus and start seeking him. Start reading his word. Start with a prayer life. And God will lead you and guide you into the, his perfect will and his purpose for your life. But you've got to be able to submit your will to His will, and a lot of people, that's where it stops. Well, I mean, I want the Lord to be my Savior. I, I want Jesus to be my Savior, but to be my Lord, I don't know about none of that, because i got to submit my will. But the Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is just your reasonable service. Look at what, He came and died for you. So I'm going to give Him my all. So with that said, wow, uh, what a great book. Again, everybody, uh, it's Mondo de la Vega. My Crazy Life, The Moment That Brought a Gangster to Grace. It's a great book. I would encourage, every, encourage everybody, if you want a message of hope and deliverance and forgiveness, Mondo ended up forgiving the people that took his dad's life. Now think about that. It's a great message. And so I want you all to read the book. Check it out. It's really awesome. You can get it at about any bookstore. Go check it out. Get it online. And Mondo, my good friend, God bless you. It's what a... Thank you for being with me today on my program. And I want to say God bless you. God bless Jim Baker Ministries up there. And you guys do a lot of stuff people don't even know about. So God bless you. Thank you. And looks like I'll see you up in Branson in a few weeks. God bless. Yes, sir.